Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. I have asked Martha to bring the word this morning, and I wanted to take a second and just honor her, simply because it gets me brownie points. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. No, because she has to put up with me. Uh, this morning, uh, she said, amen. That was, too, that was a loaded amen. Amen. When you're saying amen, but you're really talking mess, amen. When you look at your husband when the preacher's re- amen. Amen. <laughs> no, but uh, I want to honor her. Pastor Martha is our family pastor here at Hope Alive Church. She counsels. She leads our ladies' ministry. Um, she, she is just an incredible part of what God is doing, and she's going to bring the word this morning. Would you help me honor my wife, Martha, as she comes and brings the word to us today? Thank you. Thank you. Brownie points. Ciao, Michael. He does get them, so. You get marbles in our trust jar. Eh. Well, I am honored to get to share the word with you today. Let's pray before we get started. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We're here because of you. We're here because we love you. We're here because this is a time that we get to grow together as a community of believers. Holy Spirit, would you do what you do best and let my words be your words. Father God, I want to tell you that I want to be a willing vessel under your anointing, under your power, Lord, that you would just be able to edify us, that you would be able to grow us in you, Lord, that you would be able to convict and correct and love and all that you do. Lord, we give this time and we, we completely give it to you and we say, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray in the church said, Amen, amen. Uh, Well, the title of my message today is called Holy Love. Say that with me. Holy Love. It is the last Sunday of February, and I love love. How many of you like rom-coms? Raise your hand, rom-com lovers. Yes, let's go hang out. Okay, the rest of you, you probably like thrillers, whatever. Those are fine, too. I do not like scary movies. I will not watch them. It ain't happening. It ain't happening, but... Love is such a big thing, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you and just just go over the Trinity, okay? As a believer, we know that there is God the Father, Jesus the Savior, and the Holy Spirit, right? When you got baptized, Pastor Cliff said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? The Holy Spirit. And I want to take a minute and tell you how these three are also one, okay? This is how we believe. This is what we believe, and this is the foundation of what we're talking about with holy love, okay? So the best way that I like to describe it is water. When water is frozen, it becomes a solid. Some science today. You didn't know you were going to science class. Okay. When it is melted, it becomes a liquid. Good. And when water is boiled, the stuff that comes out turns into steam. Very good. (laughs) Y'all, we're learning. So we know that water can be a solid, a liquid, and gas, right? And so all three of those are all still water. 
And just how we have Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they all three have different components of what they do with us as a believer, but they're all still God. They're all still the Trinity, all three in one, and water is the best way for me to describe it to you. And I wanted to go through that because we're going to talk about all three and how love is so holy and it's in all three of those and it's all still God. I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to learn today. So the first one we're talking about is God. And the Bible says that God is love. Okay. First John chapter four, verse 17 through 18. It says God is love. Boom. Done. Good night. Y'all can have a good day. We're done for the day. Just kidding. But God is love. It says when we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day, which is our standing in the world, which is just the way that Christ is, that heaven would be his home. There's no room in love for fear because well-formed love banishes fear. And since fear is crippling, a fearful life of fear of death or fear of judgment is one yet not fully formed in love. Say this with me. Say fully formed in love. Y'all sound great. Fully formed in love. I want to tell you this morning that the kryptonite to love is not hate. But the kryptonite to love is fear. And fear produces shame. The, 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 the song that we just sang this morning, it talked about how fear and shame, there's one song that we, that we sing that, you know, my shame was strong, but Jesus is stronger, right? And so these things, these things that we have and fear and, and, and how it produces shame, I want to go in a little deeper with that because some, some of us may uh, have a fear of being hurt, and because you're hurt, because you fear that, you begin to build walls. And when you build walls, then you're not, um, you're not reaching out to people. And we're called to be a community of believers. It is hard to be a community when you're all by yourself, isn't it? Yeah, okay. So a fear of being hurt causes you to build walls and it pushes people away. There could be a fear of disappointing. And that causes you to doubt yourself and then you don't even try. That fear is what keeps you sometimes from talking to other people about God because you're like, well, what if I don't have the right words to say, okay? These fears keep us from knowing the fully formed love that God has for us. And so I said that fear produces shame. You see, shame attacks your identity, who you are. It, it, shame says that I am bad when I've done something bad. How many of you have ever made a mistake? Raise your hand. All of us, we've all made mistakes. The rest of you didn't raise your hand. Y'all lying in the church, just lying. We've all made mistakes. We're all human, right? And how many of you have ever felt when you made a mistake, you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. I, I am such a bad person. How could God ever love me? Do you see how those things are affecting my identity, my, who I am? I'm having these I things that I am saying. I am bad, not that I did something bad. This shame is such a kryptonite for us to understand the love of God. Uh, when our identity is not found solely in Christ and it is found in the things that we do, it 
is so detrimental for us as believers because as soon as we're not doing that thing, if you're a mom and you're like, I'm a good mom because I did X, Y, Z. But if you don't do X, Y, Z, then you feel like you're a bad mom, right? If you, uh, if your identity is found in your job and you're like, Ooh, I'm making all this money. What happens when you lose the job? Your identity becomes so wrapped up in it, but we have to be so, um, we have to be so wise at making sure that our identity is found in Christ. You see, it's not something that's tangible, and sometimes that feels a little scary. Um, if it's not these things that God says you are, they ain't it. God says that you are chosen, that you're his child, that you're redeemed, a new creation, that you're loved, forgiven, accepted, you're precious, you're strong, that you're unique, you're created for a purpose. That you're treasured, you're special, important, empowered, and you're not alone, and that you're protected. All of these things up here come with the scripture. I encourage you to take a quick shot of it so that you can build your identity around what God says you are. You see, if the devil can get you to believe the lies he says that you are, then you'll never understand the fullness of God's love for you. You'll never understand that God's love for you is without condition. It is unconditional. He loves you regardless of you. He may hate the sin, but he does not hate the sinner. No, he loves you as a person, not just because of what you do. I, um, I've been on this journey of figuring out what my core beliefs are of Martha. Not my beliefs on Jesus. I know the man loves me. You know, we're good. But I didn't love me. And I've had to, and I've gone on this journey of figuring out who I am, what I believe in. And I think it's so hard for us to understand God's love because we compare it to family. We compare it as God is our father and we look at our earthly father, then that is how we can see the kind of love that we have. Well, I love my parents and they did their best, but I believe some things about love that are not true. I believed, uh, uh, I believed that if I did everything right and if I was just perfect enough that I would earn his love. And it's the same way with, with humanity. If I could just make sure that you were happy and pleased you, then I would have your love and I wouldn't have the fear. My core fears had been, not currently are, but they had been my fear of rejection and my fear of abandonment. And if I could just control me, then you would love me and I wouldn't have to be afraid that you would leave me or that you would reject me. And that is not the way God wants it to be. God says, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. I want to have that community with you. You see, it affected my relationship with people because I wanted to people please. And I wasn't honest with what I was feeling or what I needed. Um, Again, with God, it affected because I thought I needed to be perfect to just be good enough to be kind of worthy. I knew I would never be completely worthy. But that if I could just be a little worthy, then he would love me and he wouldn't be mad at me. And so what I realized is I wasn't truly formed in the fullness of the love God had for me. Have you ever felt this way? Are these things resonating with you? Okay, good. You see... 
Um, we can see it in the Bible, how God, how, how this is not God's way of loving, how he loves us without condition, unconditionally. You can look at the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, uh, the Bible talks about there was a man had two sons. One of the sons said, hey, dad, before you die, I'd like to have my inheritance. The dad said, cool, here's all your money. And so the son goes and he parties and he has lavish, wild living, right? And then um, when all of it's spent, all the people that he had around him are gone because they were just there for the, for the fun, but weren't there for the human. And he's left at some farm and there, he sees this pig eating this pig food and he thinks, hey, at least at my dad's house, the servants eat better than this, than anybody here could. And so he goes home. Here is how God shows us his unconditional love because the dad saw him from way off. He saw the son coming. The son didn't have to come knock on the door and be like, dad, I'm here. I'm so sorry. No, the same way that that dad is, the same way that God is, is that he's looking out for you, waiting for you to come to him. So say, hey, baby, I see you. I'm here for you. And the dad goes out and he meets him out on the road and he hugs him and he clothes him with the, with the robe and he, and he celebrates the fact that he's back home. That's that unconditional love I hope that you guys can understand today. You can also see it in the, in the story of, of the shepherd when he's talking about his sheep and he has a hundred of them and one goes away. And he leaves the 99 to go find the one because he wants to bring that one back to community. How many of you have ever been that one? And we're just so thankful that God brings us back home. That is that holy love that I'm talking about. But these core beliefs that I had that were so wrong, it also affected my rest. Because if I wasn't doing something, then I was lazy. And again, affecting my identity, my sh the shame that I was feeling. But really, God rested. He made the whole world and took a whole day to rest. And we're over here thinking we need to work seven, <laughs> seven days of work, seven days a week and 24-7, and that's just, we're just in the grind. But you got to rest. You got to rest. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. Rest for a minute, okay? So that's God and God's unconditional love. And then there's Jesus. And the Bible says that, and the song says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yeah. So John 15, verse 9 through 10, it says that I've loved you. This is Jesus talking. He says, I've loved you the way the, my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself home in his love. You see, God sent Jesus. Jesus came to be God in the flesh. God, uh, he tell, Jesus came to tell us about God's love. He came to be the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus came to save the world so that we could come back into community with God. God didn't send Jesus because the people were perfect and everybody just needed to stay perfect. He brought Jesus because we were all missing something. We all were missing God. We were imperfect humans and we'll still be imperfect humans and he knows that and he still loves that about us. It's not about being perfect. He knew that we needed a savior. You see, Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit could come. Again, there's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. 
all three still one. We're talking about holy love and how they all tie in to being the same thing. You see, there's love and goodbyes. Had Jesus not left this world, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be here with this dwelling. You know, uh, we talk about you, you want to hear God, right? Well, you hear God through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go into in depth with it because I think it's so important that right now we truly understand what the Holy Spirit does and how he does it. Because the Holy Spirit was brought to us to change us from the inside out. He's come to give us understanding so that when you read your Bible, you have understanding, okay? He has come to comfort you in uncomfortable times. He's come to be a helper, to be a guide. In Mark chapter 13, verse 11, it says that you'll be arrested and brought to trial. But don't worry ahead about, of time about what you will say. Just say what God brings to your mind at the time. It's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit you see, the Holy Spirit, man, he is, he is here for the thick of it. The Holy Spirit is here to be a gift giver. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11, it says that God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. And the variety is wonderful. These are the things that the Spirit hands out. It says it gives wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have, common, have a common origin, but are handed out one by one, the ones, by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. You see, this is why comparison is such a thief to the body of Christ. Because uh, you need to be who God created you to be and not try to be what someone else has or, or does or is because you have a design that the Holy Spirit gave you a gift, a particular gift for you to be to the, to the body of Christ. And if you look at sister so-and-so and it looks like she's got it all together and I bet she's a good mom and or I bet that guy makes a lot of money or whatever that looks like however you're comparing it is a thief be who God created you to be there's a specific role for you to do so that we can fulfill and share the the gospel of Jesus there are clues all around you of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you there I want you to ask yourself what are you passionate about? What are these gifts that the Holy Spirit's given? What are those things that bring you energy? Those are the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave you. What are those, I want you to ask yourself, what are your skills and your talents? Nothing is wasted. There's nothing, there's no gift that's too small or too big. They're not measured. They're a gift, okay? Um, and uh, the last question is, I want you to ask yourself, what does God say about these gifts? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood. 
But I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. The word says, remember how you were when you didn't know God, led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everyone else did it. It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek understanding as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads, you know perfectly well that the spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say that Jesus be damned. Nor would anyone be inclined to say Jesus is master without the insight of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Your gifts are important and they're needed for us to benefit the world. Without the use of the Holy Spirit, you'll never understand it. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. The rest of chapter 12, it goes on and it, and it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and it ties it into how it's one body. How we have fingers, we have hands, we have toes, we have organs, we have everything within a body makes one body. If your liver isn't working, is your whole body working right? No. If you lose your pinky toe, do you know you lose your balance? You need them. As small as that thing is, you still need it. You need everything a part of your body to be able to work to its fullest. And this is how the body of Christ should be. Every one of your gifts working to the fullest. Again, nothing is measured. And the greatest part in chapter 13, it talks about how you could have all of these gifts, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. This is why God's love is so important for you. You've got to understand it. It says, suppose, chapter 13, verse 1 says, suppose I speak in the language of human beings and of angels. If I don't have love, I'm a loud gong and a noisy symbol. Suppose I have the gift of prophecy. Suppose I can understand all the secret things of God and know everything about him. And suppose I have enough faith to move mountains. If I don't have love, I am nothing at all. Suppose I give everything I have to the poor people and suppose I give myself over to a difficult life so I can brag. If I don't have love, I get nothing at all. This is what love is. Pay close attention because this is what the spirit is helping us do. Okay. It says that love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't want what belongs to others. It does not brag. It isn't proud. It does not dishonor other people. It does not look out for its own interest. It does not easily become angry. It does not keep track of other people's wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but it is full of joy when truth is spoken. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It never gives up. And the first part of verse 8 says that love never fails. And if love never fails, that means God never fails because God is love in you. The Holy Spirit is so important for us as a believer. It's in us. It's been in us. And I'm going to go in a little bit. But the Holy Spirit helps produce God's character. Did you know that the Holy Spirit goes against everything that you want to do? It means, uh, I mean, for real, everything that you naturally want, the Holy Spirit's like, uh uh You know, the Holy Spirit is that thing that when you send out that text message and then something tells you to delete it, right? That's the Holy Spirit. That's him working. Okay. The Holy Spirit is that thing that tells you, Hey, you probably shouldn't do that. You get this weird feeling. The world calls it your conscience, but truly it's been your spirit. It's your spirit. You see, it is in a sense creation. It's the thing that drew you 
to know, to want to know Jesus. It's the thing that drew you into his presence. The Bible talks about that with the spirit comes fruit. Okay. The fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You may be tired trying to do all these fruits of the spirit on your own because you're doing it on your own and not allowing the Holy Spirit to help you with them. Because you need love to help you love the ones that are unlovable. You need joy to help you in challenging times to give you strength. You need peace to help you when you're worried. You need kindness to transform your everyday encounters. You need goodness to give you courage to do the right thing when it's hard. You need faithfulness to keep you faithful, to keep you firm in your faith. You need gentleness when you're angry and you're hurt to still be gentle with others. And you need self-control to help you when you're tempted. You need the Holy Spirit. I said that you had the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. It's the thing that drew you. When you were born, you're born with the Spirit and you're born with flesh. We're imperfect humans, right? The Holy Spirit will do his best to correct you. And it's up to you to listen and obey. I heard a great preacher, Pastor Cliff, one time say that the Holy Spirit is such a gentleman. It will not force itself on you. You have to make the decision to allow him to be Lord in your life, right? Amen. Well, how do you do that? How do you let the Holy Spirit be Lord? We have to spend time with God. You have to become familiar with him. Well, how do I do that? You read his word. This is how we know God. You take some time to get into a Bible plan. If you want to know Jesus, I encourage you to read uh, the book of James first. Read the book of James. Understand who he is as Jesus, as God, as the Holy Spirit, right? They're all three in one. The more that you become familiar with God, the whole, you become familiar with the Holy Spirit's power, presence, and authority. You have to listen for his voice. How do I hear God? It's not an audible sound like you hear mine. It is within your spirit that you hear God talk to you. I remember the, when I first uh, had asked the Holy Spirit to, to talk to me. It was something, it was the simplest thing. I was sitting, I, one of the kids, I was feeding them, and there was a, I had set the bottle down on the coffee table, and something said, it was the Holy Spirit, but I just heard in my head, you get that bottle, it's fixing to fall. And I was like, I'm not getting that bottle. The bottle's fine. It's on the table. And two seconds later, that bottle fell. And that was the Holy Spirit talking to me. And that's how easily he wants to get to you to get to learn to hear his voice. If you'll ask the Holy Spirit to do that, have you ever encountered something like that where you're just like, that was weird, and then it happened, right? That's the Holy Spirit. You have to tune And build that relationship so that you can hear that before you hear your emotions, before you hear your problems, before you hear your worry, that you can actually hear the Holy Spirit talk to you. It is just that simple. The more that you listen to it, the stronger it gets. It's just like going to the gym. The more you lift weights, the stronger you get, right? If you go to the gym one time and just lift it, are you skinny all of a sudden? No. I wish right? You eat one good meal and you were like, I would like to be thin by now, but no, that chicken is only good. You got to eat a bunch of them before you even start losing weight. It ain't fair. That ain't fair. Come on, Jesus, make it happen. (laughs) 
But it's the same way with listening and, and tuning into the Holy Spirit. It takes practice. It takes consistency. The more that you're obedient to his word, the more that you're obedient to what he's asking you to do, the easier it'll be to hear him. You see, last Sunday, um, the spirit was so beautiful last Sunday. I, got, I was in the back with, with Hope Kids, but before, during prayer, um, the Holy Spirit told me to get down on my knees and pray, and I was like, nah, that ain't it. I'm like, we're not doing that. And not in like I'm, I'm going to be rebellious, like no God, as much as just like, that was weird. And I just, you know, went on and I just prayed and I worshiped. And then after Pastor Cliff was telling me what a powerful time y'all had during first service, and I knew I missed it. And it's not what I love about the Holy Spirit. He's not mad at me because I said, God, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. Let's try it again. Talk to me again. I'll, I'm going to do better this time. I now, I, now I understand that, you know, now I can hear the way that you're telling me to do it, and I'm going to listen next time. It's just that simple. It's asking for forgiveness and moving forward. It's not about looking down at yourself or not listening or like you missed this big opportunity, but asking the Holy Spirit for another one. You see, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as fire. One of the characteristics is fire. It taught fire is uh, warm, right? Fire is used to uh, purify gold. And if the Holy Spirit that lives within us is fire, it ignites a passion for Jesus within us. It purifies and refines us from the inside out. It helps us correct our mistakes. Psalms 86, 15, it says, But Lord, you are a God who is tender and kind. You are gracious. You are slow to get angry. And you are faithful and full of love. The Bible also describes the Holy Spirit as a dove. And when Jesus was being baptized, the Bible says that the heavens opened and they heard a voice. And there was Jesus in, the, in getting baptized. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. I love doves. I love seeing them because they truly are a symbol of peace. Uh, peace is not based on our circumstances. When you need peace, it's because things are going crazy, right? It helps guard our, this, this dove, this peace helps guard our hearts and minds from worrying because we gave God control. You see, we were born into the power of sin. This is all of us. You're here today because the Holy Spirit drew you in. It's up to you to figure out and to choose which one you're going to listen to, your natural self or your spirit or the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not ruled by the power of sin. Instead, the Holy Spirit rules over you. This is true if the Spirit of God lives in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. You see, after you receive salvation... You said, Holy Spirit, you take control. But when you were saved, it didn't mean that you were perfect right off the bat. Shoot, nobody is. You know, we won't be perfect until we make it up to heaven. It is, it is our constant walk with the Holy Spirit that helps refine. And it helps correct. And it helps things, but we'll never be perfect because we're still human. Give yourself some grace. But when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to submitting to the Holy Spirit. And the more that you submit to the Spirit's control, the more you're filled with it. And this is literally the experience of an ongoing Christian life. It is constantly, it is daily, it is moment by moment saying yes to the Holy Spirit and no to your natural self. 
Galatians 5, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm going to read it. Galatians 5, verse 16, 16 through 25, it says, So I say, live by the Holy Spirit's power. Then you will not do your, uh, what your desires controlled by sin want you to do. The desires controlled by sin do not want what the Spirit delights in. And the Spirit doesn't want what the uh, desires controlled by sin delight in. The two are at war with each other. That's why you are not supposed to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the authority of the law. The result of sin's control in our lives is clear. It includes sexual sins, impure acts, and wild living. Y'all better buckle up because the spirit's, the word's fixing to get you. But it includes worshiping statues of gods or worshiping evil powers. It also includes hatred and fighting and jealousy and fits of anger. Mm-hmm. Sinful desire is interested only in getting ahead. It stirs up trouble. It separates people into their own little groups. It wants what others have. It gets drunk and takes part in wild parties. It does many things of that kind. I warn you now, as I did before, people who live like this will not receive God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit produces love, joy, and peace. It is patient, kind, and good. It is faithful and, uh, and gentle and having control of oneself. There's no law against that of this kind, things of that kind. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their sinful desires to the cross. They don't want these things anymore. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. It's talking about how the first part of that scripture, it says that the Holy Spirit is like a seal of salvation. Without you allowing the Holy Spirit to truly have control over you, you don't have the seal. Without the seal, heaven can't be your home. Does the Holy Spirit expect perfection? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it expects you to do your best to try to listen. It expects you to give him that power. The Holy Spirit wants to be in control. It wants you to depend on him. God, Jesus, they all want you to depend on them and not on yourself. It's not, I, want, I hope you hear me, that it is not about perfection. It is about submission. It is about your posture of your heart, of allowing the Holy Spirit. When we make mistakes, the Holy Spirit's what helps us correct them. Paul was talking about how sin and the Holy Spirit are at war with one another and what happens if sin controls you. When sin's in control, God's not. Why am I telling you this today? Because I truly feel that the Spirit is up to something. You feel it. When you get here and you feel those goosebumps, that's the Holy Spirit. That thing that makes you just so excited, that's the Spirit. And he's moving. But he doesn't just want to move in 305 East 19th. He wants to move within you, the church, the body, you, the person. He wants to move inside of you. It's not just a feeling. It's not just at church. It is powerful. It'll empower you. It'll change you. It'll guide you. It'll be with you every step of the way. It'll give you comfort. 
It'll give you peace in tough times and it'll give you understanding. You see, revival is here. It is now. It is within our own hearts, not just at church. The thing that is stirring up within you, that is the Holy Spirit trying to convict and it says that it separates. It is a separator from sin to spirit. He wants to complete a work in you so that you can feel revived again. Baby, you worrying about that thing over and over again is only the enemy trying to keep you from having his peace. When he said, hey, if you'll give it to me and if you'll allow me, I'll give you that peace. It is not based on your circumstances. Stand to your feet with me today. know that God the Father Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit love you and have loved you and it is not something that you have to earn but it is a gift that is freely given and if you will accept it and if you will let him he will be with you all the days of your life it is a blessing that God gives us. It is, a, it is a love that is without understanding sometimes that we can't truly comprehend. But He's calling you. And you feel it here in your gut. But it is your spirit telling you that it is time to relinquish your control and give it to Jesus. So wherever you're, where you're at, close your eyes and lift your hand to heaven as we pray. Father God, we're just so thankful for all that you are, for sending your son, Jesus, God, for sending us the Holy Spirit when Jesus left to be a friend, to be a comforter. Holy Spirit, you're already doing a work. You're doing a work in each of us and all of us. And Lord, today, as we, as we pray out and cry out to you, Lord, Holy Spirit, we say, have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our minds. Have your way in all that we do. want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.